To ensure Racefuel's customers can have next day delivery, our stock of racing fuels is warehoused all across Australia and New Zealand. Racefuel stock is available by distribution points in Sydney, Brisbane, Perth and Auckland. And of course our head office is based in Dandenong, Melbourne. Racefuel's distribute and deliver the drums to your workshop, tune house or racetrack. So even if you're in lockdown, we can get your fuel to you. Find out more at racefuels.com.au Two of the very best operators marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. It's another sunny day in Melbourne. It's the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley. I'm with Tony Dalberto for episode number 72 of this great little podcast. Tony D, another week in motorsport has passed. We've seen absolutely zero racing in Australia. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. There was some racing up in Queensland, which was kind of cool. We'll talk about that later. Tony D, how are you? Very well, thank you. And uh, welcome to all our listeners for another amazing episode. And We've only just started. Don't, look, don't, look. don't, 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 let's not get too excited about this no, no, episode. No, because I know the guests we have uh, on the show today and they're some absolute superstars. Um, but I just want to go back a little bit. Sunny day in Melbourne. You, mm-hmm. That was the weekend, mate. Today... Oh, the on Monday, su- oh, I just went out for a walk. It was terrible, mate. It's I just, raining. I just got wet. Oh gosh. Okay. Yep. Well, I just went for a quick walk to the shop to go get a little afternoon coffee, just to just give me a little bit of a pep up. If I st- start sort of stumbling on words, it's because I've had just a little bit too much caffeine. But it was actually kind of sunny out there. But um, no, no, it's no. turned. No good. It's turned. Okay. But, um, the weekend was sensational, though. Yeah, it got us through another lockdown weekend, that is for sure. So plenty of gardening, um, ticking off a few more jobs in my backyard. And of course, of course, Grant, I had mm-hmm. a fire pit on Saturday night. And, yes. Um, it was a good night, actually. Uh-oh. Ended up having uh, espresso martinis at about 10.30 on oh. Saturday night just to keep me going. Nice. Very good. Congratulations. That was big, big. I love yeah, them. that's great. They're actually quite, actually, Steph does them really well. Cool. Well, I look forward to coming over in a couple of years' time when we get out of all this poo <laughs> so we can come and enjoy fire pits and all those sorts of things. Yes, yes. Hmm. But um, you're right. There was a little bit of racing here in Australia, and I think I think they called it the World Championship of XL Racing or something like yeah, that up cool. in Queensland. So I'm interested to hear uh, what happened up there. I didn't actually catch a lot of it. But there was a lot of racing all over the world, though. We had IndyCar. We had Lon. There was DTM. There was all sorts going on. It's exciting. It's actually hard sitting here in Australia and watching everybody go about their business and you know hear all the numbers that COVID cases they're having, and we're not allowed to do anything. It's it's difficult at the moment, no doubt about that. Yeah, anyway. yeah it is. It is a bit difficult, but to get us through this little parked up situation, you might say, Tony D, we do have a cool episode. We've got Mark Winnerbottom who's going to join us very soon Rusty. after the news. Uh, and we've also got Dave Serra, David Serra, 18-time Australian karting champion. He's just started up a, a new little online venture, a bit of an education tool uh, that he's we're going to ask some questions about that and let him let him tell uh, tell us what he's what he's been up to. His, his wife is also expecting the birth of their first child 
very, oh. very, very soon. Like literally, oh, with the, it could it, it could happen while we talk to him. So um, <laughs> we might have to get off the call real quick. Um, so we'll catch up with him. And when you when you say Mark Winterbottom and David Serra, the first thing you think of is karting, right? Because David Serra is intrinsically linked to karting. He has been a champion at it multiple times, 18 times in Australia. He's raced all around the world. And when you think of Mark Winterbottom, obviously we think of Bathurst 1000 winner, uh, V8 Supercars champion 2015, uh, long time, you know, leader of the, of the pack. But he formed his craft in karting and was super, super successful back in the day. He was just a, he was a slightly earlier than yourself, wasn't he? You, he would yeah. have been um, a couple of ages above you, right? Yeah, the, those guys like uh, Winterbottom, Wing Cup, um, they were always that sort of uh, age group just above uh, where I was. So I always looked up to those boys. But uh, yep. Mark Winterbottom, he was a fantastic carter. He, he was the man back in the day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the man. So um, we thought it would be the perfect opportunity to do a bit of a carting episode because there's yep. a little birthday happening this week, Grant. In the Delberto family. In the Delberto young, family. Young Oscar Delberto, your eldest He's turning five, is that right? No, six. He's turning six, right? Yes. So on, so it's Thursday. He turns six. On Thursday. Yeah. So if anyone bumps into Oscar or sees Oscar or Steph, if you're listening to this podcast and Oscar is in the car right now, turn it down, because for Oscar's sixth birthday, Tony, what's happening? <laughs> I what said you, this would never happen. I said this would not happen as long as I live, but. Um, We've bought him a go-kart. Good Lord. Well, when I say we, my dad bought him a go-kart. Right. And uh, we bought a little, well, they, they're called a little uh, Bambino kart. And uh, we bought it off Michael Patrizzi up on the Gold Coast. And it's actually a Ricardo kart. And you don't race these karts. You just practice in them. You just have a bit of a, a muck around. So they're, they're actually smaller than the cadet kart. Um, so the whole idea is so you can just have a little taste of it. He can fit in it properly. It's got a little four stroke motor. So they don't foul up as easy if they're just putting around, they don't go quite as quick, but it's a really cool looking cart. And, uh, yeah, we're very much looking forward to showing him on Thursday. I think myself and my dad are probably more excited than what he will be. I am P3. Um, we are itching. I'm- I am P3 on that excitement factor. <laughs> Mum, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> yeah, so, so I've, you've got two boys. So this is uh, Hugh's, your, your youngest, Hugh. This is his future that he's going to watch as well. I can't believe you've done this. Did you not know that they sell tennis rackets and like golf clubs as well? You know that that's a sport that you could have got him into? Footy, boots and a, yeah. boots and a ball. He does like football and he does like soccer as well, but I don't know, Dad. Uh, I couldn't suppose, help you know, he couldn't help himself. And, you know, it was a really good time for myself and my dad when I was growing up, going to go-kart tracks and spending all that time together, traveling all over the countryside competing. And uh, I think Dad's trying to replicate that or just, mm-hmm. you know, um, see if Oscar wants to do it to start with without any pressure. I mean, the whole idea was not to put any pressure on him and we're announcing it. On a, on a podcast right now. so uh, I'm going to be there for oopsies. the reveals. I'm going to be there for the reveal, taking photos, video. Man, if this if, <laughs> if Oscar Delberto is Australia's next Formula One world champion, I you need this it. footage 
in the can. So when Formula One Drive to Survive call up and say, we need some um, early footage of young Oscar D'Alberto, then it's time for me to finally make some money out of this caper. I know, generally you do everything for free for me. So uh, <laughs> maybe that would be a chance to cash in. <laughs> this, is, um, this could be your repayment. Make your son like the, the world's best. The next Lewis Hamilton. Please. Well, we'll try. We'll try. But for now, we'll Can just we... put him in and see how he goes. I want to be on the boat at Monaco, please. <laughs> so do Book I. me in. <laughs> Book me in. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, that is that is super exciting. And look, I've got um, I've got two girls. So, well, little that Georgia. That doesn't mean she's... they can't go karting. No, 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 no. But um, little Georgia, she's four. So uh, her future is um who knows she she might really get into it my 11 year old emma d absolutely not interested in car racing car racing is what takes dad away from home mm, mm. and spending too much time in hotels um uh, and and uh, at racetracks so she doesn't really enjoy the uh, the car racing that much which which is kind of cool like she wants dad at home but mm. um it's uh, that that it just does not sit very well with her so uh, there's absolutely no chance of her uh, liking or endorsing um, car racing. So I think it's really cool that um, the next generation of Dalbertos are going to get uh, get all fired up. So again, listeners, please, if you bump into Oscar down at your local um, Woolworths cafe. or uh, <laughs> cafe, yeah, or, uh, actually, none of those things are really open, are they? Um, yeah, anyway, let's just keep it a secret. His sixth birthday is going to be one that he remembers. Um, okay, look, so we've got some news to get into. We're, we've got Mark Winterbottom and David Sarah coming up. Before we do that, while we're in the karting theme, tell us about the first time you got your first go-kart. What was it? How did you get it? Well, it certainly wasn't as flash as what Oscar's about to get. Um, my go-kart was actually a cart, a second-hand cart that Dad used, and he literally chopped it, shortened it, um, so I could reach the pedals and re-welded it. Um, yeah. and that was it. So it was, it was a bit of a hybrid. And uh, I remember him putting it out at the local basketball court and I would just drive around and between the basketball poles and things like that, really safe. Yeah, sounds safe. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just get you know familiar with it all. Um, and then when I was old enough, we started karting at Brooklyn Kart Track and Dad was already a member there and he was doing quite a bit of racing. For me, it was just about mucking around with my mates, um, doing the odd club day event. Um, Dad was taking it quite seriously himself. And I didn't really progress very well. I was just at the back of the field, stuffing about. And it wasn't until Dad stopped racing and, and took a bit more time and a bit more effort into my racing that I started to go a little bit better. But I do remember my first ever kart race. And um, I finished fifth, I think. And there's probably only four in the race. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually, I made dad stay back just in case this is at the uh, trophy presentation. See if I got a trophy for my first event. Yep. But I didn't. Very cool. How, when did you first do some karting? Uh, I've done quite uh, a bit. I, yeah. So I didn't get into it really till I was about 14. And I decided one day that is it. I'm doing everything I can to get a go-kart. I became the world's biggest tight ass. I had this job at a local pharmacy where I was working for like $5 a day, literally $5 a day. And I would save every single cent as I sort of worked up to buy my first card. I think it took me about a year, just under a year 
birthdays and Christmases. I was asking for cash. I was doing odd spot jobs, you know, wash a car for a buck and the money would go in the tin. And we got this, uh, we got this chassis, we got this little, uh, this chassis, which was, it was called, it was a Yamaha. Now Yamaha, not very famous for building uh, or popular for, you know, building cart chassis. It was pretty old. It was pretty slow. Um, and we're just racing J's or whatever. Um, and that chassis was only really good enough for, uh, to run at the back of the field. The only time I got any, a trophy with it was when it absolutely pierced down with rain and like all the, all the hot shots had, uh, smashed into each other down at, uh, Kembla Grange in, uh, just near Wollongong there. Um, they all crashed into each other and I finished fourth. So that was my... That was my fourth trophy. And then after that, we, um, dad, dad started karting. So it sounds like your, your thing and my thing are a bit reversed where, um, you know, I got into it and then dad thought, oh, this looks like fun. So he got into it. Uh, so we got to do it as a family and like, you know, exactly as you say, they, you know, awesome days, fantastic days. Uh, and you know, Except for when to... things aren't going well, Grant, <clears throat> no, there's that's... a few dummy spits no, that's and right. some very, very quiet road trips home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Now I had a few of those. Not to, actually, I have to say, not too many. But uh, our uh, expectations were all pretty low. You know, we I did it thinking that this was going to be my path to um, V8 supercars or Formula One or whatever. But um, uh, look, as it turned out, it kind of was. But uh, just doing doing this sort of thing or uh writing stories or taking photos or or whatever so um yeah great days and and i kind of looking forward to whenever the next time that i'll be able to get back into a cart and and have a go and uh, end up with a million bruised ribs and um regretting well, every moment of it do you remember earlier this year we did the cart race at phillip island Oh yes! Oh yeah, we, we stuck did, her yeah. on pole. We did pole okay. position, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's right. not so good in the race, but they took our our cheetah cart offers in the race. But <laughs> yeah. we qualified on pole by a country mile. Yep, yep, yep. The old dog hasn't forgot how to do it. We know that you can do it, obviously, Tony D. But uh, yeah. yeah, come come race time, we we uh, we we weren't any good. Anyway, there you go. Carding glories relived, and we'll talk a little bit more about carding. Later in the episode, ladies and gentlemen, I reckon it's time to check out some news. This is the news that's brought to you by our good friends at motorsportwebsites.com.au. Tony D, the big news is the sim racing world is back. It's back because (laughs) we're not doing uh, much real world racing. IRL just does not exist. So we're doing some sim racing again. Supercars have put together a six-round championship, the Cash Converters Supercars E-Series, and you are going to be involved every single race. For the next six weeks, you will be representing Logitech in a Ford Mustang, driving against all of the other All-Stars. How do you feel about uh, racing against all your old foe? Uh, mm-hmm. around the ovals. It's it's all ovals except for Bathurst. Oh, mate, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we've been sort of hinting at uh, maybe doing a bit of sim racing over the last couple of episodes. I'm not, I'm not too sure that's what we actually meant by it, but that's this is how it's turned out. Um, but, yeah, very uh, excited to join the Logitech team. Obviously, I've had a bit of a relationship with them um, over the last year. And uh, my 
fellow racing mates give me a lot of shit about uh, endorsing the Logitech uh, products because they don't believe that they're any good compared to their sim gear. Um, but I'm here to uh, to throw that myth in the bin and uh, and see if I can compete with them. So very much looking forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think on the oval, um, there's going to be a lot of uh, passing and a lot of laughs as well. I'm yep. not going to take it too seriously, to be honest. I think that's the whole concept of it. The serious bit is for the sim races, um, the pro guys, and uh, they're going to do all different types of circuits. I think they're beginning at the Red Bull Ring. So they've got a much tougher task, but they're the pros on the sims. So I'm sure they can handle it. So been doing a bit of pro, um, practice over the weekend with the Logitech guys. And um, yeah, I must admit the ovals, even though you're not quite flat out the whole way around and the tire does drop off the car quite a bit. Um, but that strategy and, you know, not bumping into them and all that, there's a lot that goes into it all. So I can, I, and that was only with four cars. So I can only imagine when you got 25 or 30 of us out there, it's going to be chaos. Yep. Yeah. It's some cool names doing it as well. We're going to see the likes of Anton Di Pasquale. We're going to see Shane Van Gisbergen, a heap of the regular supercars guys, Scotty Pye for team 18 will be there. So uh, I think it'll be uh, it'll it'll be quite fun and a bit different to what we saw last year, where it was only the supercars guys, and really there was kind of only three of them who really knew mm. how to play the game. Whereas uh, this time we're going to see, uh, you know, a bunch of um, uh, absolute pro sim racers racing the pro series, and then a bunch of real world experts wobble around on simulators. Um, which will obviously, which will include yourself and uh, a whole pile of others. Sam Brabham is doing it. He'll be there racing a a, a Repco car. There's um, yeah, so a, a good mix, some good storylines to tell, and I'm sure they'll have some uh, special guests as as they go through uh, as well. So that um, that'll be exciting. That's every Wednesday night. It's on Foxtel. It's on Seven Plus. It's on. KO. Facebook and YouTube and KO and Twitch. Honestly, you won't be able to turn on a device and not find this thing. It's going to be everywhere. Um, okay, so that's pretend racing, but entertaining at the very least. Every Wednesday night should be fun. The real world stuff, I guess there's still massive question marks over. Supercars, calendars, um, the ARG, Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships. That Look, we know where the next round is supposed to be. We know we're meant to be racing supercars at Winton, early October and and for TCR it's mid-October but oh man every time you flick on the news you refresh a social media page or whatever there's numbers that are appearing at us and they seem to be getting larger and larger uh it can be sort of um yeah pretty depressing sometimes yeah it doesn't look like we're going to go racing anytime soon but we're going to hold some hope I guess and the only way that I'm getting through this grant is to literally have no expectation of when we're going racing again. Just uh, let it roll. And yeah, fingers crossed, hopefully we can get to these these races at the back end of the year. But yeah, Melbourne's not looking good at the moment. Obviously, Sydney's out of control. So uh, we'll just have to see what happens. But if we've got to quarantine for some of these events, especially the Bathurst 1000, mate, I'll be putting my hand up and going back up to Darwin to uh, quarantine for a couple of weeks. It's just got to be done, mate. Well, Even if I don't have to quarantine, I'm just going to tell Steph that I've got to do that for two weeks. Right. That's it. That's it. Um, so. Okay. There, there was some racing. There was some ra- – and there was some racing locally as well, which was kind of cool. So two events that I know of, there was the Queensland Ra- Queensland Raceway had a state meeting effectively, uh, and they had the Hyundai Excel World 
championships or whatever it was. And a couple of familiar faces won that, Brock Feeney and Nash Morris, who you can only imagine had the most well-prepared, oh. well-executed um, uh, That would have to be cell. like a V8 supercar underneath the bonnet, surely. <laughs> exactly. Uh and uh, there was a there was another actually I was talking to my good friend our good friend Andrew Van Leeuwen who was at um, Collie Motorplex over in Perth, and they were having some uh, some uh, a state meeting effectively a state meeting over there. It's not a circuit that we generally hear a lot about, but it was just kind of cool to see photos of people who we know at racetracks doing things that they love. So, kind of gives a little bit of hope. They look like they had a lot of fun in the XL racing, to be honest. They, I don't know how many entries they had, but it seemed like every Manny's dog was up there. Roland Dane was having a go as well. Um, Slady finished second in the race. I think Brody Kostecki was having a steer as well. So I think everybody that was anybody up in uh, Queensland that could get their hands on an XL jumped on board and, and got involved. So they also had the TA2s in action up at yeah. Queensland Raceway. I think uh, Jet, Johnson. Jet Johnson went pretty well up there. He put on pole. I'm not sure how the races went. Yep. Did you see no, the results? He won the races. So third generation racer coming through the ranks. Of course, uh, the grandson of Dickie J. And you can buy your Dickie J little children's books <laughs> at networkr.com.au. Um, yeah, so awesome to see. And uh, looking forward to yeah seeing Jet continue his rise in the uh, ranks of Australian motorsport. In other news, there was a uh, racing around the world, some pretty big motor races as well. The Le Mans 24 hour and Toyota took its third consecutive 24 hour victory. The first in the hypercar era, uh, some good, good results for some Australians with uh, young James Allen, who raced TCR Australia a couple of times in 2019. Uh, he finished second in class. He finished third in class. So it was kind of a good result uh, for him. Matty Campbell was in there. He finished fifth in class. Uh, driving Jackson for Porsche. Evans. Jackson Evans was there. He's a Kiwi, of course, but of course we like the uh, we like the Kiwis as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was a uh, big did old you, race. Did you see the start of the race where the two Toyotas ran into each other like, yep. like on the second second turn? Yes, like it was wet, so it started raining just before the start of the race. And um, one of the Toyotas must have just outbraked himself slightly, maybe cold brakes or something. I don't know. Because you wouldn't expect them to be going too hard at the start of the race. You know, you've got 23 hours and 59 minutes to go. And ran into the other Toyota, his teammate, Sebastian Buemi. Buemi. Is that how I say it? Buemi, yep. You got it. Okay, good. Got it right. Um, luckily, though, they didn't actually hitting the other cars and damage their own cars at all. So they got away with that. And I, I can tell you the, the, in the pits, there wouldn't have been um, too many uh, smiles with watching that sort of action going off on the first mm. lap, first corner. Yeah. For a uh, 24 hour motor race, yeah. just relax boys, cool these things, your jets. These things happen, unfortunately. There was uh, some other racing going on as well in IndyCar and it was a good result for our former supercars champion, Scott McLaughlin. He finished fourth, but awesome day for Team Penske finishing first with uh, Newgartner first. Will Power was third, so he continues to uh, his really good run um, uh, in recent times, having won the last race. Um, so, uh, Pat O'Ward finished second, moved up to the top of the ladder, but I guess the one that we're most interested in, other than, uh, of course, Will Power having a really good run, but 
an awesome result for Scott McLaughlin, finishing fourth back on the ovals. And, uh, and it looks like, you know, that's, that's going to be a massive confidence booster for him. Absolutely. And we've been talking about the last couple of pods that surely there's going to come an event where everything clicks for him and he has a ripper race. And um, I think this is, you know, what's happened on the weekend. He had a good qualifying. He wasn't far off his teammates at all. And um, he seems to be really clicking with the, the oval style events. So the Chevys were quite good over the weekend with willpower taking pole position. Um, and, and Scott was in uh, P11. So that set him up for a good, good event and a good race. And uh, he capitalized at the end of the race there and just, just short of the podium. So yeah, I'm really happy for him. Hopefully that gives him the confidence he needs. Cause I think they've got uh, another couple of races on the tree uh, weekend after weekend. So that confidence will only uh, be a good thing for him going, going forward now. Yep, very good. Formula One comes back into action very soon as well. MotoGP, we've still got a little bit off uh, some top line local racing, but it is kind of good to talk about some real world racing, although not that you, Tony, will care about real world racing for the next six weeks. It's all going to be the virtual world. It's all about the cash converters. Absolutely. um, Supercars E-Series. So look out for that this week. Okay. Uh, right now, we've got Mark Winterbottom, who's going to join us on the line. Uh, of course, Mark is a Bathurst 1000 champion. He's a supercars champion. Uh, and he started his career as a very, very successful carter. So uh, we might ask him a couple of questions about how we're going to make uh, young Oscar Delberto a super successful carter. Um, actually, Tony, you were, you were very successful as well. What was the biggest title you won in karting? I won a few state championships and came runner up in the nationals a couple of times. Didn't quite clinch it, um, but I didn't do a lot of karting to be honest. As soon as I got to the age that I could get in a formula Ford, then I bailed. Um, so yeah, I went okay in a car. Not too bad. Very good. Very good. Too bad, but definitely frosty in those boys like a Dave Sarah. Yeah, uh, the guns. Cool. Well, we've got guns. Dave Sarah coming up soon, but right now it's Mark Winterbottom on the Parked Up podcast and we're powered by Race Fuels. And it's great to have Mark Winterbottom join us on the Parked Up podcast. Frosty, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Hey, uh, we're all dealing with the uh, with lockdowns and we're dealing with COVID and we're dealing with not having the hassle of jumping on aeroplanes and going to racetracks. How's things... Uh, Going in the Winterbottom household uh, while we're in this current state? Um, that's terrible, isn't it? This isn't how um, we signed up to, to, to raise, let alone live. You know, I think with three kids, um, we can all appreciate how hard it is and, and uh, uh, you know, schooling and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's tough. It's a tough time being a parent because, you know, the, the roles in life as a parent uh, to provide for your kids, protect your kids, and at the moment, um, all I'm saying is disappointment for them. So, um, yeah, it's tough, but, you know, at the same time, um, you know, you, you're doing your best. They've got a nice little environment here. Homeschooling's a challenge, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're getting through. They're um, obviously good kids, but then racing side, we sit and wait. That's the other side of the whole um, equation. Um, sitting here, hearing rumours of what we're doing, where we're going, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough. I really feel... Like this stuff on everyone, but it's um, just the uncertainty. I love having, I run off calendars and I love knowing where I'm going, when I'm going. And um, at the moment, it's all up in the air, which is quite tough. 
Now, Frosty, uh, with the homeschooling, are, are you doing any of it or is Renee um, doing a lot of the teaching? Because I know in my household, Steph is taking taking charge of that because otherwise um, Oscar will miss most of the classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, go-karting's not on the um, on one of the subjects, is it? We used to do that every week and weekend, but um, I'm really good at maths. Like that was my thing at school, 83 in at maths. And, um, but how I come up with an answer is not the right strategy that they use these days. Uh, so yeah. um, that's the hard part. We get the same answer, uh, but then... He works it out and I'll work it out two different ways. So you've got to be careful not to teach him the, I guess, the wrong way. But um, but yeah, English I was terrible at. So um, Renee's all over that. But they're good. The kids take it on and embrace it. But um, it's just every time I've told them no more homeschooling, this is it. And then it's what lockdown 6.7 or whatever we call it now. Yeah. So um, hopefully it ends soon because it's it's pretty hard work where any parent knows um how much appreciation we've now got for teachers. I think it's going um, <laughs> to change your whole scope on how much they evolve, how much you need them and um, how hard it is. Yep. They're uh, the teachers are the uh, absolute heroes as much as we uh, used to look at them because they used to get a lot more. We always felt like they got a lot more holidays, you know, every 10 weeks, they get a couple of weeks off, but yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's just talk a little bit of supercars. We've obviously had the championship halted for a bit, but uh, Team 18 and your Irwin Racing Commodore are going pretty good. Um, you know, maybe not as many podiums or, you know, just unfortunately not any podiums at the moment, but God, you've been so close. Yeah, I think um, we need to be good every weekend and that's been probably the little downside at the moment just a little bit inconsistent because uh, I thought Sandown were on I thought we could win Sandown um, obviously a second slower in the stop is what it is and, and the guys have worked so hard their stops are now very very good so they've done a great job so if we went back to that same situation same scenario we'd come out in the lead of that race and I think we'd get it done but um, then it rained the next two races on Sunday when I thought we were a good chance to back it up uh, and then you go to Darwin and we have the drama on the grid on the front row where she glitches out, which then put us back for the whole weekend because they then tried to find a gremlin in the car instead of making the car go quicker. So a couple of little races haven't gone our way. Um, but saying that, if you were good every weekend and up the front every weekend, you win races because you don't have bad luck every race. So we just got to make sure we can get a little bit more consistent and um you know, be up the front more times, have more chances. But I think I've had four fourths or something again this year, which uh, is frustrating. But, um, but you know, we've got good things coming. I think the last, although lockdown is really painful, uh, as a rate, as we've stopped, I think it'll be 12 weeks before we race again if we go to the, the calendar. Um, it's It's been a good time for our guys to regroup um, and service the cars because when you're on the road, they don't get the same level of, uh, I guess, workmanship as they can because at the workshop they fully get stripped but at a racetrack uh, it's very hard to, to get them back to the same level as what you would at a workshop so um, we found after Townsville a, a, a bit of a drama in the front of my car which was there for both both Townsville's which hurt um, but we're ready to roll come the next I guess chapter of the year where um, we're ready to go and things are looking pretty good so I think 
we haven't got a podium yet, but um, I'm confident end of the year we can we can do some damage and um, get some results. Frosty, um, now you you've got Scotty Pye as a teammate. He's been there for a couple of years now. How much does that help going to a two car team rather than just having yourself? I know, I know you've got an alliance with Triple Eight. I'm not sure how strong that is or what sort of uh, information you get. Um, but has that been helping having uh, Scott there and and that feedback that he gets as well? Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, when I joined Charlie's, it was one car. That's when I went there. But it's so tough, um, one car, and I didn't give it probably the respect that uh, that it that it needed because um, you kind of think get a good engineer and get a good driver and got a great team boss and a team manager and we're going to get trophies. But it's so hard. You got to, all those logistics of you know, pit crews and, and your half the numbers and all that sort of stuff that goes with it. It's actually really tough. So when we went to two cars, you need a good driver in both cars to push each other and push the team. And, um, yeah, Scott and I get along really well. We work together really well. Um, we've got the same traits in the car now, which is really good. We didn't last year, but this year we do. Um, so you need to have a guy in your garage that you can get along with, work with and understand because, it's not easy to go 10 garages down and say, knock on their door to AAA and say, hey, hey we're struggling. And mm. they go, hey, we're on the grid in 30 minutes. It's, it's kind of not that easy. Where if you look next door um, with Scott, we sit in the same garage. Um, our mechanics do the tools up, the bolts up, everything the same way. So a number reads the same way uh, and all those things. So he's been great. Um, the team's really good. We've got a really good bunch of guys and girls now where we're 22-person team, um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't ask for anyone to change. I think we've got a really good group now. So, um, yeah, good driver in Scott, great guys on his car, engineers, um, mechanics and everything. So, um, yeah, great structure, and now we just sit and wait to use it. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think he's been a great asset for the team. Yeah, we're doing a lot of sitting around and waiting, but, uh, look, we can't wait to get back out there it's, uh, and, uh, and see the progress that – the team can make because uh, you know, as as uh, we, we definitely want to see some challenges for the uh, the likes of the Red Bulls and the uh, Shell V Powers. Not that Tony wants anyone to challenge Shell V Power, particularly for that uh, Bathurst One Thousand event in a in a couple of months' time, hopefully. Um, um, yeah, I've got the little strong Italian Caruso, so look out. <laughs> I'm but I've got Caruso, so look out. How, how big is his insert? He's all right. Like he's funny. Um, I've raced with. Oh, sorry, I've raced against Michael for 30 years now, probably, or 25 years, whatever it is, and never raced with him. And you kind of know someone but never really know yeah. how they go about their racing. You've always raced against them, not with them. So he um, he's good. Like, he actually – I thought it was going to be a nightmare. I've raced with Cano, and that was hard to get the seat right. But Caruso, when he hopped in, I was like, are you okay? And I was not his seat fit. And he said it fit like a glove. And I went, okay, that's awesome. And then after the first test day, he said, hey, can I pour another seat? So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how he goes. But um, it's really cool to race with someone that you've raced against for so long um, and then race with someone. That's, it's actually really cool. So I'm enjoying it. He's, uh, he's a passionate, his head's in the door, he's there, he's amongst it, um, very, very passionate guy. And um, he's really good to have around. I wish we could have him at more rounds because – He's actually a really strong asset. He, at Bathurst, called our pitch strategy when we should pit, and that's from a driver's view, and um, it was bang on. Like, he, he knows his stuff, so, um, yeah, he, he'll be good for us. 
Awesome. Awesome. Great. Uh, he's an absolute pain in the ass, but um, he um, will be a huge asset for you. But and an excellent segue to say that you've been racing against him for 30 years because uh, our, uh, our little friend here, Tony D, is doing what all racing dads say that they won't do and uh, give, this, give their son the keys to a, uh, to a go-kart, which is going to be his sixth birthday present, which comes up later this week. So, Frosty, you were an absolute champion carter. Uh, and did it for many years and did it so very successfully. Is Tony crazy for bringing his son into this? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. My, it's funny, my boys, um, they play footy and play basketball. So they, they um, yeah, haven't asked for a go-kart or anything yet, which is good. But I think the good part with where you are at is that you can take your kids to the track yourself. I don't, I always hated that, if your kids wanted to race and you couldn't be there on the weekends for them to race, then why do it? Because it kind of, it doesn't suit what you should do. I think karting is a really good family sport. And, um, and I know you're a very, you know, family oriented person. So I think it would, it would be really cool for you guys to share that bonding, but until you can commit and take them yourself, I don't think that, you know, parents in the category should ever rush their kids. I probably, um, yeah, I, I, that's the side I sit on it anyway. I would hate to have someone else take my kid to the track. So, um, yeah, I think it's cool and we'll see if they listen to you or not. You know, like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the next question, I guess, when, um, when you say, when he says, hey, what am I doing here? You tell him and then he, you end up paying David Sarah to teach him or something like that, the way it works out. <laughs> um, that'll be the next point. But um, yeah, you're probably crazy, but you'll have some fun. I think it's going to, yeah, lots of fun. And we actually, uh, we're going to catch up with Dave Sarah on this episode of Parked Up just after you. So um, we thought it would be a great opportunity to get your thoughts on, you know, what karting was like when you first started and uh, the reasons why it was, was um, such an amazing sport um, for you to sort of surround yourself with for so many years. Uh, I think the good part about karting is that, um, especially when I race, it's kind of changed a little bit now, but the fact that it was you and the machine, you kind of, you didn't have these, you know, telemetry and it was, you know, if it was four stroke and you just, you'd crack the, the needle off on the, on the tuning tool. Um, uh, if you needed to go faster, you'd jump in your seat, you'd use your body, you'd make it work. <laughs> so I used to like the fact that it was quite um, a techno, technological sport that was quite basic at the same mm. time. You didn't, you know, I remember when we were raced, guys would rock up in transporters and we'd rock up in a box trailer and that guy had a painted helmet and this guy had a white one. You, you didn't need the best gear to win. You just needed to kind of drive well. And then you work closely with your, your family and enjoy the weekends away. And um, you meet some great people and you have friends for life as well. You know, I still see quite a few go-karters um, outside of it. And it's not, you've got racing in common, but the last thing we talk about is racing. They're actually, you have a lot of interest with these same people and it's not just motorsport related. So um, um, yeah, you make lifelong friends and um, we all take it very serious at the time too, I guess, but end of the day, you look back on it and um, yeah, you have some fun, you know, and you learn a lot on the way and meet some great people and spend some family time. So it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Looking back at your karting career, um, obviously there's a lot of guys that make it through the different categories and you're probably still racing with them now in supercars or some might have gone further on. Um, is there anybody that stands out that didn't quite make that next step that you thought was an absolute gun in karting? 
Um, probably the biggest ones are, um, you know, Troy Hunt was a, a um, bit of a karting legend. You know, he went to Europe and tried to chase that dream a bit, but um, but he also liked going out and he also liked girls. So he had a bit going on around that time of life where uh, when I was 18 racing karts, I was in bed at 8 o'clock at night. Like I didn't go to parties and whatnot. I was so focused on winning and it had nothing to do with supercars. It just like kind of that's your competitive nature and had a girlfriend and that was cool and you raced and that was it so but you know he was one that if he didn't have that probably 16 year old to 19 year old where he kind of got involved in not bad stuff but just enjoyed being a a, a bloke and have some fun um he would have gone all the way because he he is uh an incredible an incredible driver um and you know i still see him now and you know, he's, he's still winning go-kart races when he pops up and races. He's got raw talent. Um, and probably, you know, Dave Sarah is the other one that you look at. I didn't have a lot of experience racing him. He was a bit younger, but never transitioned that next step um, as well. So there's guys that, you know, opportunity, right place, right time, um, that important period of your life where you're, trans, you know, transitioning into what you're going to do for a job, how serious you take it, parties, all that sort of stuff. So there's a couple, but um, Troy Hunt from my ear is one that he should be on the grid, banging doors now, and um, he'd be getting results. He's a, he's a good driver. Yeah, fantastic. Frosty, when you think about your karting career, what's what's the one takeout? Is it is it a, an amazing result? Is it a, a good dice? Is it Or is it something a little bit more, you know, overall, like that family uh, that family feel. What what's the when you when you think of karting, what's the one thing that pops to the top of your mind? Um, it's just it was really competitive, you know, and, and the amount of effort that you used to put in that people don't see in karting, and that's the hard part is I guess with karting as well. We all watch supercars on TV, but the amount of core races or effort that you put into to go karting is almost you know personally far greater than what you. You do these days we used to race 52 times a year um you'd be out in the garage seven days a week i used to have this you know absolutely obsession with my axle spinning and i would go out there and spin my axle and i'd, I'd loosen the bearings I'd, I'd soak the bearings on all the bearings i'd spin it again and i used to count how long it would go for because i was all about roll resistance and people don't see that they just think you turn up to the track and you've got a cool helmet and whatever and you race but the amount of hours and trouble I used to get in at home because I didn't do homework. I'd spin the, I'd spin the axle. Like it sounds stupid and repetitive, but it works. So I just used to do that. I used to build my own carbies and, um, and tinker around a bit in the garage. And no one saw that. You just see you rock up to a track. And I used to put so many hours into to racing. So um, I guess to put hard work in and then go and get results was, um, was, was really rewarding. But um, probably another thing was meeting um, Jim Morton, who passed away a few years ago. Um, he did a lot for me. Um, he also taught me a lot about business. I used to work with him at the car shop and his um, bathroom business. And he used to come down and mentor me and, and try to coach me because everyone's a good driver in karting, but it's that next step. And you always need that one influencing person that tells you the right, the rights and wrongs. So you know, I guess other than results, that was a big highlight. Learning, I guess, how to become a boy to a man, and he taught me a lot um, uh, through him. So, um, yeah, you learn a lot, but they're the things that people don't see. They're the things that you're, you're proud of or 
worked hard to get to where you are. Yeah, awesome. Jim Morton, an absolute, uh, absolute legend, and and we miss him greatly. Um, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I don't know if Tony's any better off. I, I thought maybe if I could get you on, he might be able to convince Tony not to do this. His Oscar's <laughs> birthday is a little while away, but uh, you've, sp- you've spoken some really good words about karting. So uh, I think um, the Delbertos are going to the kart track uh, for the <laughs> yeah. second time. You never know. It might be the Delbertos versus, I don't know, the Tanders versus the Caruso yeah. versus... Who knows? It might be the next generation thing coming on, but um, now have fun while well, you've got your kids. You you do whatever makes them happy, and if that's karting, then um, it's a great one to do. Cool, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. And we thank Mark Winterbottom for joining us. And uh, I think the Jim Morton was an absolute legend. I only got to deal with him for a couple of years when he when he started that Ford Rising Stars supercars team, which Caruso actually uh, drove for. Who else drove for them? Andrew Thompson. This was back in your uh, DVS era, if you if you recall. I think Luffy drove for them for a little bit. Uh, he drove for his yeah they drove for that team that's right it was uh yeah brad tilly actually started started oh, the wow. car it was like 2013 2014 something like that luffy drove for that car and then it then they changed no. the name then they changed no. the name yeah this couldn't is, have been 2014 bro uh 20 2004 2004 you know okay. what i'm talking about no i didn't i was like <laughs> what <laughs> you're right yeah. You're right. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, you know, sometimes we cut those little bits out of the pod, but I'm just going <laughs> to leave it in there. <laughs> um, yep. So, yeah, that's right. So, they, so the, the Tilly, Tilly got a run and then Luffy jumped in and Luffy did really well. Um, uh, and then Caruso drove, he drove for that team. I can't exactly remember how it played out, but I know uh, Caruso had Desinia on the side of the car. So I don't know whether that was that particular entry or if he was just backing him when he was with Tickford or ProDrive or FPR or whatever it was back then. Yeah. Yep. Um, but definitely Caruso uh, and, and Frosty there have had a lot of uh, you know, influence from Jim Morton over the years. And uh, they've got a lot of similarities there, Caruso and, and um, Frosty as well. Like uh, they drove uh, many years in karting. Um, they had that connection. They've raced each other all their lives. Like these guys are probably um, like uh, husband and wife combination, really. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Which is which though? Who's who? That's the big question. Nah, I reckon Frosty would be the man. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, okay. Out of Frosty into another karting legend. But this one, this guy is one who has built an entire career off just karting. David Serra, 18-time Australian national karting champion across a wide range of different classes. He was winning when he was a baby, basically, uh, and and he even now in his 30s is still incredibly quick and has just started a brand new venture, which is called Kart Class. And uh, I was just about to explain what it is, but uh, hell, we're just about to get him on the phone. So let uh, Dave Sarah explain it to you. It's Dave Sarah, karting legend on the Parked Up podcast. And it's great to welcome Dave Sarah onto the Parked Up podcast for the very first time. Dave Sarah, karting legend, how are you? 
Mate, good grand. It's, uh, it's nice to join you guys after um, listening to your podcast with you, uh, you and Tony. Oh, amazing. Thank you. And you've got your own podcast as well. Uh, you've had some huge guests on there. Tell us about how, how that all came about. Yeah, look, so I've been pretty fortunate to, um, to meet and greet a few of the motorsport racing stars over the last couple of years. And uh, we set up a Swapping Paint co- uh, podcast. And that was pretty exciting to be able to speak to guys like Will Power, uh, former Formula One driver Alex Albon, um, and a few of our supercar champions in Shane Van Gisbergen. And so that was pretty exciting. It was during the COVID lockdown from last year as well. So nice to get their background story on where they started their motor racing career and um, just have a bit of a yarn to them like we're sort of doing now. It's, it's pretty exciting for these young kids to listen to guys they, um, they look up to. Yeah, awesome, mate. Now, um, now before, you've, you've got a, a fair bit happening in your world, but probably the most important thing is right now you're waiting for uh, your partner to uh, give birth to child number one. A, uh, a new little Sarah on the way. Um, what's the feeling like inside the house? Um, well, obviously uh, a bit nervous because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> if you're talking to me about, um, you know, apexes or overtaking, I can sort of, uh, I know what to do. But when it comes to the, the birth of your first child, it's, um, it's a little bit daunting. But um, yeah, due date was yesterday. So uh, just sort of playing the waiting game at the moment and uh, hope to hit a racetrack quite soon. <laughs> Now, by the time this pod drops on Tuesday um, next week, because uh, for everyone that's listening, it's currently Saturday morning. We had to bring it forward a little bit just in case so we could get this interview done. Oh, we could have done this from the delivery room, though. We could have. That would have been exciting. That would have been absolutely thrilling for My everybody. My wife would have been too impressed. That's the thing. <laughs> no, I'm sure she'd understand. Very important. Um, now, Dave, I actually remember, just turning the clock back a little bit, I remember your very first car race. I was actually a little bit older than what you are, but I think I was in rookies at the time. And uh, I remember you'd done a little bit of testing um, before you actually went racing for the first time. And you've you've got a very uh, strong history. Your family does in karting. Um, So tell me about this new concept with kart class. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I know when I first started, I needed all the help I could get. And my family didn't have that background to sort of coach or teach me. Um, so to pick your brain and, and try and fast track that, it could be a really big advantage for some of these kids. Yeah, for sure. Look, the idea behind cart class was to try and help in, anyone anywhere around the world. So some people aren't as fortunate to be able to have resources close by to them. So they can't just bring up the local cart track or cart shop and get that help. And so we want to try and create these uh, online digital programs so that someone can just watch at home because sometimes you go to the track with these kids and they just don't want to listen. Like they could have yeah. their iPad could be flat. They could have had a blow with their mum or dad and they just don't want to listen. So they sort of wasted where with these digital programs, you can sort of learn at home or on the way to the track. You can review the videos. We've got worksheets and diagrams that you can uh, print off and, and fill out as well. So you can sort of keep learning the whole way through. And as you said, like as a, as a young kid, developing um, those good habits from day one is very, very important for, you know, to help you out in your career. So how much work has actually gone into the back end of all this stuff? Because it's rolled out and you can clearly see that you spent a lot of time um, preparing everything, uh, the videos and the sheets and all that stuff. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, so look, the idea, I look back in my phone, was 2018, there was notes in my phone saying we should have a, something online. And it sort of started actually just before COVID in about uh, 2020, January. And that's when we started working with um, some web developers and got um, you know a film crew on board to, to film the content. But with these lockdowns, we sort of got a bit, um, bit stuck with time to get out to the track. But it's probably been a good yeah, eight into 20 months 
in, in the works. And now it's just about, or obviously promoting it to kart racing um, and aspiring races. Like you don't have to be a kart racer just yet. You might be looking to get into motor racing and generally the foundation is kart racing. So we're trying to give out some free programs as well that has you know, our podcast you can learn from. Um, we've got some basic videos as well. So you don't have to necessarily be in the sport just yet to still learn. Cool, man. It's very exciting. I tell you what, um, if I was going to step back into karting, I would probably sign up to uh, to remember how to to do everything. What sort of things are, are people going to learn? Is it is it driving? Is it is it mechanical? Is it is it the full gamut? Yeah. So look, our beginner one concentrates on just the fundamentals. So like race lines, apexes, steering inputs. To get those things right, you're going to be um, you know on your way. We do dive into a little bit on the kart setup. And then our more experienced program is more in the race craft and the mindset. So we've got a, uh, a mindset coach out of the UK. He's done a lot of work with uh, MotoGP riders and some Formula One uh, drivers as well. So it's pretty cool because when you get into that top end of racing, as you guys know, it's the mindset that comes into play. You've all got that talent when you're fighting for national and, and world championships and things like that. It comes down to how do you handle your nerves, the confidence before a race and things like that. So that's what we want to try and tap into the mental side. I can't explain that. I just go on my own instincts, but um, to have someone who's experienced in that area is quite beneficial for our races. I was going to ask the question because um, no one, yeah, you've had uh, family in karting for a long time or in motorsport, um, but you've had to uh, learn and develop all this yourself. And uh, you know, you're not a bad guy to, uh, to um, grab that experience from. I mean, the amount of Australian championships you've won and how successful you've been in karting, um, you know, these kids are really tapping into a, to a really good resource there and they could get that um, leg up very, very quickly. Yeah, look, I've, yeah, I've been fortunate to have a, a good karting career. And like you said earlier, you need that good support around you. For me, it was my, my dad and my cousin, James. For other people, it's, um, you know, me coaching them or they have their own coaches or their own support crew. But it's important to have that good little bit of network around you so that, you know, you're getting fed the right information not getting fed that bullshit sort of thing along the way. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, that's what we're just trying to do is just trying to help, you know, we've got some customers or some members already from New Zealand, uh, from Malaysia and from Australia already, which is pretty exciting the first couple of weeks uh, of launching. But it's just about just trying to get that message out there because kids are learning so fast these days, like in any form of sport. And so, um, yeah, so we want to try and tap into that. I remember when I was younger, uh, it was almost frowned upon in motorsport if you had a coach or you needed to reach out to get advice or anything like that. It's very different to other sports like a tennis, tennis or basketball where you'd have a coach teaching you along the way. Um, it was almost frowned upon. So maybe now. Um, and that's where the new program could be super beneficial. But let, let's talk a little bit more about your career. Um, you're not hanging up the helmet just yet. Uh, I'm sure there's a few more races uh, that you want to tick off. Anything in particular that you've got your eye on? Look, um, that always reminded me that no one remembers who finished second. So uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I finished second at um, the Las Vegas Scusa Super Nationals a couple of times. And I've also finished second at the Rotax World Championships as well. So there are obviously two things, that, two events that, um, you know, are always been high on that bucket list to try and take out. They get harder as you get older, obviously putting in less effort, you're concentrating on other kids to, um, to see them do well. But they're two races that I've, I've fallen agonizingly short that I'd, I'd love to tick off at one stage if I can. Awesome. I think you might need a uh, extra special pit crew for that Vegas race, I reckon, Tony D. We might have to uh, we might have to travel along. 
What's the uh, you, you keep a pretty close eye, Dave, on the on the future of Australian carters and and some of the kids who are coming through, and I'm sure you see um, you know kids who are um, like four years old, and you're working with guys all the way up until their teens. Uh, what's what's our talent pool like at the moment in the Australian carding scene? Honestly, it's crazy how good um, the Australian drivers are. And, and this goes back to New Zealand as well. The Australian and New Zealand drivers at the moment um, at a very, very high level. And I think it comes back to their tight technical circuits that kids are learning on. So you go to Europe and you just flat out for 90% of the lap and you're sort of learning a bit more uh, racecraft and things like that. But the technicality of driving, tight corners, undulating corners, um, not necessarily the smoothest circuits, that's where you're sort of tapping into the kids' talent. And you're looking at guys like Oscar Piastri, who's, you know, winning the Formula 2 Championship. He just started out at Oakley Kart Track around the corner from me. It's a tight technical circuit. Like, it's nothing uh, fancy out there, but it teaches you how to drive. Um, you've got Jack Doohan, James Wharton as well over in Europe who are doing good things. And they've all learned just from our backyard tracks out here in Australia. So I've got some exciting, you know, some exciting prospects coming through the ranks. And, um, you know, I really believe we've got a great future in Australian kart racing and moving on to bigger steps in, uh, in motor racing. <clears throat> and what advice are you going to give Tony D now that his uh, young son is going to make his big karting debut in the next uh, in the next oh, few yeah. weeks? <laughs> no, look, obviously, as a young kid, you want to have fun. Like from a parent's point of view, I see so many parents putting pressure onto their their kids. So you got to make sure you're having fun along the way. And um, it's something from kart racing you can't just go and experience out in the backyard generally, unless you've got a you know a big paddock. The football or tennis racket or basketball, you can just go to the local court and go and practice and have some fun. But kart racing, you know, the kids are going to go at speeds of 70, 80 kilometers an hour and they're six or seven years of age. Like it's crazy to think how things are going to be happening so fast for, you know, young ones have got no idea what they're actually doing. Tony, Tony's pumped for this. He's, he's 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 really pumped. He's pumped. He doesn't want to talk about it just yet. I could just say, proud <laughs> dad moment. Proud dad moment. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. All right, Dave, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up Podcast, mate. We wish you all the best with um, the uh, a, a safe pit stop for the delivery of uh, number one, um, <laughs> and uh, and we and we look forward to seeing the um, your karting program grow and grow. Thanks very much for, uh, for having me on board. Cheers, buddy. And we thank Dave for his time on the Parked Up podcast and we wish him and his um, partner all the best with the delivery of Sarah Baby number one in their household. Uh, Tony D, we've probably used up most of our podcasting time. All of the Parked Up listeners, I know they haven't actually told me, but I'm sure they're wishing you all the best with Oscar's birthday and his introduction into karting. So you're going to take him to like a little track or like yourself, are you going to take him down the local basketball court and just let him <laughs> drive around there for a little bit? Well, he's got to do a seat fit first. He's got to actually sit in the cart. We've got to drill the holes to position the seat in the right spot. Uh, so we've got to do a little bit of work first. You can't just, you know, you got to, you got to put some hours in before you actually get to enjoy it. So if, if he doesn't um, drive this thing the very first time he sees it, you, you know, he's going to chuck a wobbly. He's going to lose it. Yeah, I know. Um, no, I'm not sure. I think we'll just uh, maybe put it out around the factories or something like that. Just in a little area where we can keep tabs on him. But um, i got a good little tip from Dave Sarah um, to actually put a little rope around the back so I can 
run behind him and try and slow him down if I need to. But yeah. that's going to be the big thing, Grant, trying to teach him where the brake pedal is. That's going to be the big thing because, yeah. yeah. you know, I, I know when Oscar was learning how to ride his bike, he was quite timid until he sort of learned how to stop the bike. And once he learned how to do that, then he was absolutely off. Yeah. So um, I think this will be the same. So it'd be interesting. I mean, when you start the thing up, she's nice and crisp and it's noisy and, you know, it's um, it's a serious piece of equipment. So uh, it, it might freak him out. I don't know, but I'm pretty excited to see what he thinks. Yeah. You know, I think I told the story once we were doing some uh, content filming at your house for Logitech and he was using the Logitech steering wheel. Um, and he looked, he, uh, I was, ta- I took some photos of him while he was doing it. He was having an absolute ball and he deadpan turned around, looked me in the eye. I didn't even prompt him on any of this. He just said it to me. He said, you know, I'm going to be a race car driver one day. <laughs> I thought, have you told your dad this? Does he, does he realize he's, he's in a world of hurt right now? Oh man. Last night actually he was watching me on the sim. And uh, he's sitting just beside me watching it. And he was, you know, putting his little inputs in there. I should do this. I should do that. (laughs) And then suddenly it went quiet and I turned around and he was just fast asleep. He'd fallen asleep watching me. So (laughs) I don't know whether I just, you know, put him to sleep. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he's always bugging me to get on my simulator. And and generally I hop on when um, I've just got a little bit of free time. So time to myself. And then he wants to have a go. And it's like, far out, mate. If only you knew how much seat time I need in this thing um, before the E-Series, you would you would let me have all the seat time in the world. Um, if yeah. things are going really bad for you in the E-Series, can we please just take you out and chuck him in just for a couple of laps? Yeah, at least we would have some laughs. Cool. Um, okay, cool. That is episode 72 of the Parked Up podcast in the can. Now, uh, before we leave, there there was a really sad occasion last week with the passing of Margaret Hardy, who was a long-time Formula Ford administrator here in Australia. Tony, you would have dealt with Margaret a lot. I dealt with Margaret mm-hmm. a lot during my the start of my journalism career here in Australia. Formula Ford was my beat, and Margaret had been there many years before I got there and was there many years after I got, um, you know, really big and important and went and started <laughs> talking about uh, you know, reporting on V8 supercars more more often than not. Margaret was a uh, an absolute mainstay, a terrific leader for Formula Ford, always had that category first and foremost uh, in her mind and in her heart and she gave it absolutely everything. She succumbed to our uh, our bad old friend cancer uh earlier in the week but she uh touched the lives of many australian motorsport drivers you know right from the uh absolute uh the absolute best in the uh in the mark webbers and the mark winterbottoms and uh tony yourself and jamie winkup and you know all of all of the modern uh supercar stars who came through formula ford margaret would have played a role in their life in, in their lives and more often than not it wasn't just well she was the category administrator and she was the one ticking boxes uh she was the one she she would put extra time into the drivers extra time into the uh into the teams so really sad and we're um 
we're thinking of the Hardy family and and all of Margaret's friends because it's a uh, it's a it's a big loss for for the industry and um, we wish uh, we we pass on our sincere condolences.